It was meant to be the week where the road to WrestleMania became a little bit clearer, but in reality, injuries and uncertainty means that everything is still up in the air when it comes to the grandest stage of them all. Rumble reactions and loads more coming up here on Earning the Push. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster alongside professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. How are we, Mr. Beckett? Very well. Thank you, Mr. Murley. Very, very well. I've had my first week at the Teams Routes like Thursday, now preparing to start in a full-time environment for the first time in a while. I forgot how taxing that is, so I am a sore man at the end of this week. But thankfully, we've got a brilliant medical team here keeping us all together and ready to go tomorrow. But before then, there are more important things to do, like break down another, say it every week, another ridiculously wild week in professional wrestling. This is, though, the most ridiculous in the most ridiculous weeks we've had because this was meant to be, we said end of last week's pod well the one thing that will definitely happen after the rumble is we'll be clearer on what's going to go on at wrestlemania and that is the one thing that has not happened we were clear until about 3 p.m monday uk time because that's when the news started breaking on cm punk and that's when everyone's hearts broke including mine yeah let's get into it then he's charlie underscore beckett on the socials i'm jack underscore merley rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and we will do the rumble winners and losers and we will talk a bit more about the vince mcmahon situation as we go on but yeah the biggest news coming out of saturday was related to the man who didn't win cm punk makes the last two with cody rhodes then injures his tricep at the end of the men's match and he is now out for anywhere between four to six months which means we can say with certainty cm punk's wrestlemania dream is over for the time being at least and charlie you said the word heartbreak in there oh it's just it, it's it's stomach churning you just can't fathom that this has happened it just it's the worst look on uh, what was looking to be the road to an all-time mania. And by the way, CM Punk missing doesn't mean it won't be a good mania now. This mania card, whatever they put out there, is going to be incredible. There is too much talent and there is still too much story. And we'll get into it later, the fact that it is genuine credit to WWE at the moment. They have lost CM Punk and actually there are still, arguably, we've spoken about it all week, three or four good options for that world title picture. Like, it is credit massively to WWE, the work they've done over the last 12 months building not just a mid-card, but the main event scene as well. But I think as soon as Cody won the Rumble, I think we all pretty much knew that we were looking at Cody versus Roman and then probably Punk winning the Chamber in Perth to face Seth Rollins. That is where we imagined this was going. It seemed pretty clear. So they are the two biggest matches they can give us at the moment, if you exclude The Rock. They are the two title matches we probably all want to see. And the fact that they're not going to be at the same event now where all the groundwork had been laid, the stars had aligned, is pretty stomach-churning for us, the fans, and for the WWE. But... More for the man, Phil Brooks, like what he's been through to come back to WWE, it seems to come back as a changed personality, to come back welcome to change he needed to make. WWE seemed welcoming of him. If you haven't seen it, go and find the clip on social media of him basically crying, giving Cody Rhodes a hug backstage at Raw. It's whatever you think of CM Punk, whether you like him, you don't, the character, the man, you can't on a human level, I don't believe, not feel incredible pain and sorrow for him. And he's lost this story that was almost the perfect story. It was just that horrible moment, and I don't know how you began experiencing the news. And to put this in context, as Punk did, it is an injury. He will be back. It is not cancer. It is not the end of his career. All those caveats to one side. You start seeing on social media the rumours begin to swirl, and then WWE saying he's got a statement to make, and then he comes out in the sling, and you just think, no, this, this, this cannot be, because he was so hot 
so hot after the Survivor Series and he was delivering great promos and all the anticipation was there. And you just think for him, the fella, it's just heartbreaking to know he'll be sat on the sidelines, not able to live this dream that enticed him back. Yeah, and it it ties in the story of it, of the whole reason he's back is to main event WrestleMania. He's never main event WrestleMania. That's what he wants to do. And I have no doubt he would have this year as well. Like I think we would have seen that main event night one and Cody Roman main event night two. And as much as it is the character CM Punk talking about he needs to main event main, if you think that's not Phil Brooks, the man who has that dream, as well, who has that ambition, who has that need, that necessity to do this, then you're kidding yourself. This is what he is back to do. He's back to main event WrestleMania. And it was there. And I, I know how it feels as an athlete. Like you have you have your goals, you have your ambitions, and sometimes they get taken away through a fault of your own. You make a mistake and they get taken away, and that's that's gutting, but you can almost deal with that because you can go away and work on your mistakes and you can get better so that you come back next time and you can take that chance if you get it again. When it's taken away from you through injury, through no fault of your own, like this is just another, it's a freak accident, like it happens that's almost hard to stomach because you've done all the right things, you've put yourself in the right place, you've prepared correct, you've done it all right, and then for whatever reason, your body just decided to say, this isn't happening. That's, from the athletic and the athlete and the competitor side of things, that's really, really hard to take. And yet you'll also know as an athlete that where there is injury, for one, there's opportunity for another. That WrestleMania night one needs a main event now, which means for those who are left on the Raw roster someone, maybe some combination of people, have an opportunity that wasn't in the offing on Saturday night when the Rumble ended that suddenly's there now. Yeah, suddenly the whole Raw roster on the men's side are looking at, there's a chance for me to main event WrestleMania here because if I can be the person to position myself to be the man to face Seth, then obviously the world title is going to be in the conversation, the men's world title, for main eventing uh, the first night. On the flip side, the whole women's roster will have be stepping up now. Bailey, who's just won the Women's Rumble, the rules are, should be, in, in wrestling kayfabe, you win the Rumble, you main event WrestleMania. So really, we should see Cody main event one night, Bailey main event the other. Now, they obviously pick the things that are the best to main event because we see the tag team match last year, main event in night one. But if you're telling me the women's roster are now going, well, actually, we deserve to main event one of those nights, probably night one. You'd, you'd expect night two is going to finish with Cody and Roman like last year. That whole women's roster are going to be going, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's get night one's main event for us. And you look at how the women's side of the card is shaping up. You can't tell me that arguably if they get the story right, Bailey vs. Io Sky couldn't, uh, couldn't arguably be a main event. We saw the tease of the Hanger and Jade. You can't say if they don't get this build right, that could be main event. If they go with Rhea versus Becky, there's two of your biggest stars in the world, male or female right now. That could arguably be main event. So, like you say, a huge, huge loss for one man in St. Funk and arguably Seth Rollins as well. Seth Rollins had a guaranteed WrestleMania main event there, really. That's now gone. He needs to heat up another rivalry very quickly with someone now. So he has to choose his dance partner and they need to heat up their rivalry fast. So Seth's got to pick up his game. The women's side are going to look to pick up their game because they'll want that main event. All the potential challenges to Seth are going to bring their absolute best to be the man who is facing him. So it's a massive loss to St. Funk, a huge loss to us that we're not getting that match this year. But I think over the next few weeks, we're going to see superstars bring their absolute best to television to try and get that night one main event. Yeah, where there's chaos, there's opportunity. We'll talk more about the opportunity in a bit. I want to know what you would do if you had to now put the pieces back together again. But I'm glad that CM Punk came out and he gave the promo he gave. 
And I remember, uh, WhatsApp, you said, I want a bit of physicality. It can't just be Punk saying, it's happened, see you again in six months. And Drew McIntyre, who is having the time of his life in this role, came out. That promo where he was sympathetic, 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 and then said, I prayed for this to happen. Have you ever heard an arena just go, ooh, for how cold that was? Yeah, that that change of uh, sentiment very quickly. Drew is doing, I think not even arguably, I think certainly the best character work of his career. You can say maybe that his title run in really challenging circumstances in COVID was the best all-round work of his career, but just from character work and what he's doing on the mic and, and on social media, by the way, Drew's social media is the most savage thing I've ever seen at the moment. Drew is doing the best work of his career there. And actually, I've gone back and forth a lot on what I do with that world title now this week, but I have got a... I've settled on what I do, and I have a new idea for you that I haven't actually pitched to you. I was waiting to do it live on here. Oh, okay. Let's hear it then, because there are all sorts of things floating around in the ether. We're talking maybe a triple threat where you get Sammy involved. Maybe there's a priest cash-in. We even saw a tease for Seth versus Cody, where Seth Rollins came out and said, you don't want the Hollywood belt. You want my belt. That's the belt Dusty would have wanted. We'll get into those in a bit, but come on, Charlie Beckett's got the got the pencil. WrestleMania needs a main event. How are we doing it? So I'll tell you what I definitely wouldn't do. I wouldn't do Seth versus Cody. That would be a terrible decision from all involved, and I think even Seth Rollins knows that secretly. That tease didn't do anything for me, apart from make me angry. So I wouldn't do that. Hold on, really? It didn't do... Because I... I have... No, I don't want it. Okay, no, I don't. I'm up. You and I are in the same end position on this, but it got me thinking, and it did seem credible. Although what it also did was, it, it, say Cody now goes for Roman as he should. Now everyone's going to say, "Oh, you're just going for the Hollywood title." Like you've devalued the belt. Yeah, I, I absolutely see that. But I, I think if they did that, it would be like we've been watching Lion King for the last two years, and then in the in the last ten minutes, we flicked to Beauty and the Beast, and we just finished a completely different story. It makes no sense. Well, that's the only time any wrestling podcast is going to use that Disney analogy for it. But you're, you're right. It is that. Go on then. What are you going to do? How are you going to finish this? I would go triple threat. I would go Drew, Seth and Sammy is where I go this because I think the Drew-Sammy rivalry, I like how they're building that. But I think Drew McIntyre has positioned himself at a point here where he needs to be in that world title match. I think he deserves it, and also I think his character needs it at this point. Um, I'm not sure how I'd get there yet completely, because obviously we're expecting that the chamber, the winner of the chamber, will um, will face Seth. We're predicting. We don't know. We don't know that yet. I'd do something. Maybe I'd have Sammy in Drew, maybe as the last two in the chamber, and then have Drew do something like say that if he can beat Sammy, he gets to join the match. If he can't. He won't compete at Mania or something like that, and then have a, I'd have a screwy finish for Drew to cheat and win, and then at Mania I'd have Punk interfere to cost Drew winning it, and I would have Sami Zayn win the world title at WrestleMania. That is what I would do. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot because if you think three months down the line, which is what we are with Mania, two months, two and a half months, Punk could think of that. But if he has surgery this week, which you'd expect, I think he's having surgery right with the torn tricep. By the way, sorry I meant to say earlier. CM Punk to wrestle with a torn tricep, tough, tough son of a gun. Like, he gets his tricep torn quite a bit before the end of the match, so tough son of a gun to carry on with that. And also, we had no idea he'd done it at that point. Like, at no point in that match was I watching thinking, oh, Punk looks injured. So I meant to say that earlier, tough, tough SOB. Mm. But yeah, two and a half months down the line after surgery, you can 
you can wield a chair or you can slip brass knucks or you can do something physical that isn't going to interfere with your uh, combat, your recovery, but enough that could co- even just him appearing distracting Drew um, and then have that be the start of that rivalry because that is a hell of a rivalry we've got to come back to and that be the, the start of Punk's payback for the things Drew is doing and saying on social media in the ring at the moment. So I would go Sammy, Seth, Drew, Drew looking like he's about to win, uh, distraction of some sense by CM Punk, and then I'd have Sammy pin Drew for the world title. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think Sammy needs to be in there. I, I think what you can't just do Seth versus Drew, because Seth isn't hot enough as a babyface, and they've given that match away a few times on Raw, so we've been there, and we've had Sammy versus Drew. So, But if you throw those combinations together, and actually that makes perfect sense, because... CM Punk has been robbed in storyline by Drew McIntyre of his main event. And if you're Punk, the one thing you want to make sure is that Drew doesn't get his moment. So I think that's what I would do. Um, it sort of leaves Gunther without a, a dance partner because some people said you could plug in Gunther and he could face Seth Rollins, which is what we were saying before Punk even came back. So we could have gone full circle. I'm sure we'll talk more about this as we go along. But let's talk more about the Rumble, OK? Because this was all overshadowed, the Rumble itself. Happened on Saturday, 48,000 plus in Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. You all know by now, Cody Rhodes goes back to back to win the Men's Rumble. Bailey wins the Women's Rumble and sets a new record in the progress. Logan Paul and Roman Reigns both retain their titles. Um, Overall sense of the card, did it do it for you? It was good. It was a good card. Like, it was fine. Like, it was, you know it was? It was six and a half, seven out of ten. I mean, like, it's not a bad show whatsoever I think it peaked at the start I think the women's rumble was the best match um, I thought the fatal four way was fine but I hated the finish I'm so bored of Solo Sokoa interfering to cost whoever's facing right I'm bored of that I've seen it too much it was good at Clash of the Castle that I've seen it too much over the last 18 months now also Solo why are you wearing a hood who do you think you're fooling? We all know it's you now. Just come out without... Also, it's an ODQ. You didn't even need to hide in this one. It's a battle doorway. But I'm bored of that finish. It'd be good if it was under the hood Claudia Winkleman. Like, if it was that traitors. Something like traitors. That would be something. <laughs> um, I enjoyed Logan Ball, Kevin Owens, for what it was. It was a perfect fight. The clever finish. Clever finish. I mean, when did referees start noticing anything in WWE? If I was Kevin Owens, I'd be livid. Uh, but clever finish and the men's rumble again was fine it was just I think it fell foul of we'd all bigged up a number of surprises that could have happened that didn't and by the way WWE WWE gave us no reason to expect them we did it as fans we expected them but there was no surprises really was there and I felt for poor Sammy coming on his return at number 30 because that should have been a really cool moment because we haven't seen him for a few months but because we all thought it was The Rock stupidly or there was random rumours circling that MJF was going to turn. We were all like, oh, is it one of those two? And then it was Sammy, which was great, but we were all like, uh. So I I felt in there. So I, I thought the men's rumble was fine. It was a very fine rumble. It won't be particularly memorable, but it wasn't a bad one. But I thought the women's rumble absolutely stole the show because I thought the women's rumble was a good match. I thought that was a very good rumble and the best women's rumble since the 2018 one. Yeah, I agree. I just want to talk more about the sense of the night before we get into the specifics, because it shouldn't just be good. It should be the start of the road to WrestleMania. And WWE's been knocking it out the ballpark recently. 
And it's not just me and you feeling that. I think most people I've spoken to have said, yeah, it was, it was good. You know, it was good. Yeah, it was, it was... It's not a rave review for it. I think the biggest thing I can say is I wish I'd not stayed up for it. I wish I'd just caught up in the morning. That's the best thing I can say. I stayed, well, I went to bed at 11, got two hours sleep, then got back up at one and went back to bed at five. That was what I did. I wish I'd just got up at seven and watched it. And that that would have made, that probably made me happier doing that. I felt like I... Staying up for it, I felt like, oh, I definitely did want more out of that. Yeah, I feel the same because I did it in reverse. I was like, I'm not going to stay up. And I got to the end of it and I went, you know what? If I'd have just read the results, I don't think I'd have been gutted by it. But there was nothing intrinsically bad in it. Like, this is the weird thing as wrestling fans. We can't sit and go, this was terrible. This was rubbish. This brought it down. It just didn't hit. It was less than the sum of its parts. But let's talk about some really good bits. I think universal consensus from what I've seen, the Women's Rumble was the match of the night. The return of Naomi, uh, an appearance by TNA Knockouts champion Jordan Grace, and a star-making performance by Jade Cargill. Talk to me about Jade Cargill. That's all you've been doing this week. Yeah, she was unbelievable, wasn't she? Like, we said last week, if they don't, bring her up the Rumble, they can't throw her after Mania, and that feels like too long from when they brought her in and made her look like a superstar those first few weeks. I was the absolute right call to bring her in for this. She was phenomenal. Like, the her presentation and how she looks, you just look at her and you go, well, you're, you're the real deal. You are seriously to be contended with here. We've got to take you seriously. And then brilliant use of, I love that, Six of them couldn't eliminate Nia Jax, but Jay Cargill could by herself. Like, just there you go. There you are pushed over straight away. You are put over. And I thought she looked phenomenal the whole way through. They've been speaking about how they were maybe disappointed with how green she was still as a wrestler when she came into WWE. Well, none of that showed. I know you can hide that in a rumble. I know you can. But the work she's been doing at the Performance Center, and it seems like a lot with Natalia at the Heart Dungeon, so far looks like it has, has... paid huge dividends because I thought she looked like it looked like okay the women's division is about to change because there's a new genuine top dog contender in the mix now yeah I watched it and I thought first time without a net she smashed it she absolutely smashed it I know in AEW it's not like she's nobody she's been working in AEW and did well in AEW and was presented as a star in AEW but you see the difference between AEW making someone a star and WWE saying yeah, we're going to sprinkle some stardust on you because she, no one knew her entrance music. No one knew when she was coming out. No one knew if she'd come out. There was a, there was a chance that the crowd there would go, yeah, okay, you know, fine. And she could have blown a spot, botched it. She excelled. And now I want to see more of what she's doing. Whenever, whenever Jade Cargill's on my screen, I'm in. Right now, from a purely what they do in the ring, not story-based, the match I most want to see at WrestleMania is Jade Cargill, Bianca Belair. Yeah, obviously the Cody Roman is the story I want to see, but just from a pure wrestling point of view, I think that could be phenomenal. We'll be watching that going, how the hell have these two women done that? Do you know the weird thing about this year's Rumble is of all the athletes we saw, the one I was most hyped about is under contract to a different federation. Jordan Grace, who I have not seen really anything of before, came out TNA Knockouts Champion and absolutely stole the show for that early part of the Rumble. She was sensational. She was brilliant. By the way, 
What a mental world we live in where the TNA knockout champion has come out on WWE television and we're all like, that's cool. It's not even the top five stories coming out for the Rumble. Bonkers. I thought Michael Cole did a superb job on commentary of making us aware if we weren't of who she was and why it was important. It seemed the crowd was very much aware of who she was, which is cool because obviously they can't hear what Cole's saying. So that was cool. Really nice interaction between her and Naomi because obviously three weeks ago they were fighting for the TNA knockout championship so mad moment for them I thought she looked phenomenal I think we will see her back in a WWE ring very very soon and I'm not sure it will be while she's still under contract to TNA I think as soon as that contract is up I think after seeing that um, response to her and first response online since I think Hunter and Sean will be all over her and that's brilliant because the women's division probably needs its next wave of new talent through i would say i feel like we had the four horse women a few of that we if there is a new wave coming through i think that would be excellent i think she could very much be at the forefront of that like tiffany stratton as well was excellent i thought in the rumble we've obviously seen the rise of Rhea. like there are it just seems like there is a not a changing of the guard but there are new genuine big stars coming through in that women's division they need that i thought was cool that's great i thought the moment Naomi had in the ring the reception for her was sensational and you could see how much it meant to her like Sasha Banks leaving she was always going to make it leave because she was Sasha Banks like Mercedes Monet now that was always it was probably a bigger risk for Naomi to leave like she was not the top of the division world-renowned superstar that Sasha Banks was 18 months ago when they left so for her to go away to be a success she was and then come back to an enormous ovation that's going to be a real full circle and well done for betting on yourself moment for her. And you could see how much you meant her in the ring. I thought it was a really, really cool moment. And you talk about the next wave of women coming through. When was the WrestleMania 32? 2016? Sort of that that sort of time? Just doing some rough math? We're talking mid-early 2000, uh, mid, mid-2010. So, yeah, we do need that next generation. It is time. That triple threat between uh, Becky and Sasha and Charlotte was a long time ago even if it doesn't necessarily feel that way for us we need these new stars coming through and if you haven't yet go on impact wrestling's uh, youtube channel there's a really good feature with jordan grace talking about getting the call going there the way she's been received and as you say it's sort of mad that we're going oh yeah that happened tna and wwe working together triple h at a post-show press conference said knockout champion came in and smashed it i'm all for more of this i wouldn't mind if we saw the tag champs from tna turn up at an nxt event and interesting, if this is how TNA are going to potentially position themselves now as not a feeder to WWE per se, but having a working relationship with WWE of, even if you're not in NXT, you can, like, we have a relationship with WWE. If you are doing well here, this is another way to get to WWE because that's quite a cool niche to do. I saw someone online, a few people, um, just speculating. There's no truth that it probably won't happen, but imagine what a the old NXT Worlds Collide uh, show would look between NXT and TNA. That would be a very, very cool thing. And it's the mad sort of thing. Now, you wouldn't rule out. Well, why wouldn't you do that? If, if you're Triple H and you're looking at NXT and you want to make something feel special and do some buzz, you know, you you could do a war games between NXT and TNA. And, and it benefits everyone. And I think it's really smart by TNA, who had a... We've been saying this for a while smart business decisions they're not saying we're the competition to wwe they're saying we exist in the same ecosystem with this ten thousand pound gorilla let's try and work with them 
And you wonder if on the flip side, if WWE would allow the likes of AJ Styles to maybe go back to TNA for a one-off match or appearance. Like, there are people, there are huge stars in WWE who had massive runs at TNA. I would, I'm sure would love to go back and give somebody, like, if AJ Styles could go back and main event a TNA show and get them an extra 5,000 through the gate or eyes on I'm sure he'd want to do that. And I just wonder if that's the sort of relationship they're going to come to where, yes, the up-and-comers can go from TNA to WWE, but the AJ stars of this world who have had their runs in TNA can go back and give back to TNA whilst under contract to WWE as well. It makes a lot of sense. It's a mad... I like that even though we're saying it's a whole new world of wrestling, Triple H still went to the press conference. I'm not calling it a forbidden door. Just as he got that little jab in there to try and get a rise from Tony Khan. Um, Men's Rumble then. We saw Andrade return to WWE, Sami Zayn number 30, Bron Breaker probably the star of the Rumble away from the winner in the Brock Lesnar spot from what we understand for which we'll talk about later. But Bron Breaker just took his moment and said, yep, let's eat. Let's do it. Bron Breaker went, there are questions over Brock. There are questions on whether Brock will be allowed back, wanted back. I'm going to show you don't need him. I'm going to show you've got another athletic freak who you can build like you did 2002 Brock, if you'd like to. He was brilliant, wasn't he? Um, I quite like the Dom Mysterio uh, eliminated because I want to see Bron genuinely devour Dominic Mysterio now. I'd like to see him like just mercilessly, mercilessly, I don't know the word, horribly, just disgustingly batter him. Like I quite enjoy that. Um, no, Bron Breaker was excellent. I love, love, love the... Both he and Andrade, we didn't come out of the rumble and they were forgotten about. They were both made to be big deals because you saw the two general managers fighting over their signing. Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis were both there trying to sign both of them and obviously they got one each. But I just think straight away, they came back at the rumble. Here's why you should think they're important. Our general managers think they're important. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Love this. It's perfect. It's a way to do it. Um, Cody then, the safe choice, obviously in retrospect, definitely right to go with him over Punk. That's a lucky call. You can't make a bigger signal that he is your guy than saying, we've had Hogan win back-to-back, we've had Michaels win back-to-back, we've had Austin win back-to-back, and now, Cody, you're the only other person to do it. Hunter's saying, have faith. Yeah, Hunter is just saying to all of us, isn't he, that there is a plan here. I know you hated last year, most of you, but just have faith in me. And I still don't know if I'll ever agree that last year was the right call. That I, I, I don't think... What have we gained from having it wait a year? I don't know. But fine. As long as he wins. Good God, as long as he wins. I'm going to give you a moment here. After WrestleMania last year, I said this is the right choice if they keep the Bloodline storyline hot. And I was watching the clip of Sami Zayn turn on Roman Reigns at last year's Rumble and how hot the crowd was there, and that version of Roman, and I think I'm now willing to finally concede it was the wrong call, because as good a job as they've done building Cody to this level, I can't believe I'm saying this, the bloodline hasn't kept up, it's become skippable, and it's not a we have to have the belt of Roman because it's red hot, it's just we have to have the belt of Roman, so I'm going to now say... I gave them nine months to prove me right, and they didn't, and I'm with you. Yeah, I think it's such a good point for you, though, because it's the bloodline side of things, isn't it? Like, it it was at fever pitch at last year's Mania. We saw the Usos lose to um, to Sammy and KO, and if we'd seen Roman lose, the bloodline could have just fallen apart there and then. I think 
you look at the bloodline now, of the four members, the only person I'd say who's in a better place than he was 12 months ago is Jey Uso. I think Jimmy is forgettable at the moment, through no fault of his own, but he is. Solo is no different to where he was. And Roman, I would say, is less popular because we're all a bit bored of it now. And, and I understand that this has been, go back and listen to our episodes, I have waxed lyrical for literally years now about the storyline. It is, I still defend, at its peak, probably the greatest bit of cinematic storytelling for me in WWE history. Absolutely. But it should have ended at Mania last year, I think. We should have seen the fallout after. Uh, We still could have got to Jay versus Jimmy in a different way. Roman, if if they knew at that point Roman was going to be away this much, because we didn't know that last year. He was here more this time last year. If he was going to be away this much, Get the belt off him and use him as a special attraction like you use Brock Lesnar. And Solo could have gone on a single track going back to see that you can make Solo like make him like a new maggot. You could have left Heyman just with Solo. I would like to see that. Like there are so many things they could have done, but they didn't. They've done this, and it the bloodline now is in nowhere near as good a place as it was 12 months ago. That's not it's not even close. Yeah, um, and and I still you know, it, it's a hard one for me because I still think it, there was a perfectly good justification for taking the decision they took at Mania, but it was it was a two-part thing. You can do it if you keep the bloodline as hot, and I've maintained they could, they could, they could, and now I'm sitting here and I'm going, I actually skipped through quite a lot of that fatal four-way, if I'm honest, and the moment he becomes skippable is the moment I have to go, it's a missed opportunity. However, Cody gets to where he needs to be, and Pat McAfee's back. Yes, he is. Oh, I'm so happy about this. He's back, and you can just tell how much fun they have anyway, but especially when he's there. And you saw, I don't I don't know if you saw, Corey Graves tweeted after the um, Rumble. He said, all joking aside, as much as I like to take the mickey out of Pat and pretend I hate having him there, he said, I know how much fun Cole has with him there, but I promise you no one enjoys it more than me. And it just seems like they all respect what he does, have great fun. He's excellent. I loved hearing him talk about it. He had no idea he was in the rumble till his music went. I think that's hilarious. That was a genuine shock moment for him. I think, looking back, he handled it very well. He's gone, what's the safest thing I can do? Just not get involved because I don't want to mess anything up. But um, yeah, and to have him back every Monday night on Raw is brilliant. I love they've gone, okay, how do we work it so that you can still work for us? We need to get you on Monday Night Raw. And the only person you can do it with is Cole. Their relationship is magic. So... Really look forward to that. And I actually really, really, really look forward to seeing what Wade Barrett is like as a play-by-play commentator on SmackDown. Well, no, I don't think they're doing that. I think they're making Wade colour and Corey's going to go to play-by-play. Oh, right. I've got that wrong then. Right. Interesting what Corey Gray's going to be like as play-by-play then. Because he's never done that before, I don't think. Because he's always been next to Michael Cole. No, and call this commentator's intuition. But there are a couple of points recently where I thought he's sounding more and more like a play-by-play guy. Like he's trying to call the action. So that will be a really interesting transition. That SmackDown desk has been cursed for a little while. They've not been able to really find anyone to pull on it, probably since Mara Ronaldo, who wasn't Michael Cole. Why they let Todd Phillips go, I don't know. Uh, Tom Phillips, because he was great in my opinion, but say la vie. Now, look, um, we're talking all about the wrestling, the good stuff. We don't want anyone to feel like we've forgotten about the wrestling, the bad stuff. And we do just need to reference this so people don't think that anything going on in the ring has more importance than the real lives of people outside the ring so obviously last week when we came to air serious allegations about vince mcmahon breaking graphic claims of sexual assault and trafficking and misconduct rock lesnar was also implicated lesnar has yet to comment on the allegations vince mcmahon has stepped down from his roles in tko he is vowing to fight the allegations 
He says that they are not true. Obviously, the woman making the claims and her lawyer have said they are very much true and others will come forward. We don't need to get into the ins and outs because it's not appropriate for us to do that. But Charlie Vince has gone and that was the only the only outcome. Yeah, it had to be from a, most importantly, from a hu- human point of view, had to go. But it was always going to happen whatever because of a business point of view. And Ariel Hawani is an extremely successful businessman. And if you think... Ari Emanuel, you mean. Ari Emanuel. Sorry, I've got the names mixed up there. Yes, Ari Emanuel is an extremely successful businessman. And if you think he is going to do anything that is going to jeopardize this huge merger, TKO, they've just done a $5 billion deal with Netflix. If you think anyone is bigger than that, then you are sorely mistaken. And I think just purely from the business side of things, that will see the end of Vince. I think unless there is huge proof that Brock wasn't involved, I'm not sure we will see Brock again. I don't, I like, no one is bigger than these $5 billion deals, I'm sorry. And like I said, that's the business side of things. On the human side of things, if these things are true, I don't want these people anywhere near our wrestling business. I don't. Like, everyone knows what a fan I am of Brock Lesnar, the wrestler now, and how he's been used in the last few years. If these allegations are true, and again, if, we don't know, but if they are, I don't want to see Brock Lesnar on my screen ever again because I don't want to be watching or cheering for being asked to enjoy the human player character because I know what the humans are. So I think it was the right thing to do. And if these things are proved true, and that's the thing, they're all allegations at the moment and there's massive ifs over it. But you see the evidence that's been put forward that we've seen on social media, and I'm sure there'll be bits we haven't seen. It's hard to imagine that there isn't some credence to them because of that. But if, if there is... It had to be done, and I don't want to see them again. And you get the sense as well, it, it's fair comment to say that this is just the start, clearly, of this legal situation. This is just the start. We don't know what's going to come next. Um, our thoughts are with everyone affected by it. Um, the victim, um, clearly, uh, the alleged victim, we should say, is making very serious allegations. Also, the McMahon family around this and what they're going through, the WWE family, and just fans as well, because there'll be lots of fans who have experienced something like this in their lives, and it will be very triggering to them. So I just thought to anyone who's been affected by it. Absolutely. And can I ask you what you thought, I haven't asked you this yet, what you thought of Hunter's lack of response to it in the press conference after? Because he was asked about it. I don't know if you saw this. He was asked, and he kind of said nothing and then brought it straight back to the wrestling and the rumble and that sort of thing. And my, my thoughts on it are, it's got to be extremely challenging for him because it's his business now. And also, this is his father-in-law. Like, this is his family that are affected on the personal side of things. It's also the business he's been involved in forever. He obviously can't say certain things because of legal issues. But my thought was he probably, in my opinion, owed the fans and the people involved a little bit more than just kind of brushing over it and moving on to something else. I, I personally thought it was probably Hunter's first major misstep at a press conference or in the public eye since taking over? I think it's an incredibly hard situation. I'm absolutely certain he will have had lawyers in his ear saying, quite rightly, in fairness to the lawyers, here's what you can say and here's what you can't say, and you can't say anything. If you're in a situation where you can't say anything, do you put yourself out there to do a press conference? And if you are going to put yourself out there to do a press conference, you need a better answer than I can't say anything because it makes you run the risk of not being compassionate, which I would like to think for him as as a father and just a human being so that he is compassionate even in that terrible situation. So whether it was a misstep, I don't know. 
Whether there was frankly any way of avoiding it other than not doing a press conference, I don't know. And on the flip side of it, how do you do a transition from the guy who built this company is being implicated, alleged to have done some incredibly serious things, but we want to talk about the wrestling. You can't do that. So I... I'll be honest, I don't know what the answer is apart from not doing a press conference, and I think any criticism of him is completely well-founded. And on the flip side, what do you do differently? Man, I don't know. I don't, it's, such a, it's such a terrible situation, and we're the least affected by it, but still. Yeah, it's an impossible situation because the moment you don't do a press conference, that's almost saying more than you do at one, isn't it? Because you're almost admitting that like, we can't talk about this. It, 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 it's a hideous lifestyle. It's a hideous situation for everyone involved but mostly for the alleged victims of this it's the most it's for them and yeah we hope they are as okay as they can be which i know is a ridiculous thing to say and let's do a segue because there is no other way out this we just have to send our thoughts to them and carry on going everyone's favorite part of the podcast uh, back to developmental and earning the push something we love from everyday life and something we hate Do you want to go first or second mr beckett first mine are very quick this week i'm very linked uh back to developmental it is Jurgen Klopp is leaving Liverpool. Oh, mate, I saw this break literally the moment we finished recording last week and I felt for you. I, I I, have been lost. I have been lost for the last seven days because what do I do without Jurgen Klopp in my life now? What? Your take on this What is... do I do? What do I do? I mean, who do you, who do you want as a new Liverpool manager? It Absolutely. has to be Xabi Alonso. If it's not, then I might stop supporting Liverpool. No, you won't. No, I won't. But it has to be Xabi Alonso. But that is a different conversation. But I just, I literally finished our podcast. I remember, so I went, made my breakfast. I sat down with my breakfast and I opened Twitter and I just said the words, oh no, and my better half on the other end of the sofa and showed what's wrong. And I said, Jürgen Klopp's leaving Liverpool. And she's not a football fan. She doesn't like football. She doesn't have a team. She looked at me. She generally went, oh no, that is awful. Like she understood. She understood straight away how awful that was. And then I put TalkSport on to check it was actually real. And Jim White was looking at me through YouTube being like, this is terrible. Like Everyone was just like, this is awful. No one said this is anything but awful. Um, so I literally refreshed Twitter and it came out like 12 seconds ago. So it literally as it broke. And it was just so unexpected out of nowhere on a Friday morning. I wasn't ready for that. You're talking about it like it's a Kennedy assassination. <laughs> Genuinely. I mean, I've heard some hilarious takes. One man rang into a phone and said he'd rather his wife had left him than Jürgen leaving. I'm not quite at that point. but So that's my back-to-back My earn the push is just Jürgen Klopp in general. Um, first of all, like you see his interview. He clearly is very sad about leaving, but he says he hasn't got the energy for it and needs to look after himself. Quite right. Like Nothing is more important. And he just obviously is. You look at pictures of when he arrived and pictures now. He's aged more than nine years in nine years. And I don't, I'm not sure there are many, there are more important jobs, but I'm not sure they're many more stressful than being a foot manager. It seems like a hideous, hideous uh, profession for your stress and your health. So I'm glad he's doing what he needs to look after himself. And I've been a Liverpool fan for as long as I can remember. Um, my godfather took me to my first game when I was four and I was a derby. And I've loved it ever since. I remember walking to Anfield for the first time. I'm just like, this is the best. Any football fan will remember their first game. It was brilliant. I have known a lot of, not pain. Pain is the wrong word. I've known a lot of, oh, for God's sake, as a Liverpool fan of my time. Like, we have been very average for a long time. And I'm not old enough to remember the great days of the 80s than these teams. We had Istanbul and that was it until Jürgen Klopp turned up. And he has just been the best Liverpool manager you could ever have wished for. And I saw a quote this week someone said that 
uh, it was a Chelsea fan. He was talking about how Liverpool, he lived in Liverpool for a while and the city is mental and busy and funny and welcoming, just like Jurgen Klopp. And he's not surprised the two fell in love with each other straight away. And I thought it was the best thing anyone said about it. They, I do think Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool made for each other and he's been the best and he's brought so much success to the club that I love. So I just want to say, if you're listening, Jurgen, well done. But try and win four more trophies before you go, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel your pain here. Is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna feel your pain. I'm not gonna do a back to developmental and earn in the push. I just want to um bring you a little bit of uh, breaking news on the podcast here, related sadly to what we were talking about last uh, just a moment ago about Vince McMahon. Sean Ross Sapp is now reporting. The fan, and the pol- I should say this is quite sensitive. And so if this is the type of thing you don't want to hear. Um, you may want to stop listening to the podcast now, but Sean Ross Sapp is reporting that federal agents last summer executed a search warrant for Vince McMahon's phone and subpoenaed him for documents regarding allegations of, quote, rape, sex trafficking, sexual assault, commercial sex transactions, harassment and discrimination against WWE employees past and present. Uh, that's being reported just as we record this on Friday afternoon. And I didn't want us to end the podcast with people listening, thinking, as they will, by the time they hear this podcast, do you not want to reference that? So sadly, as we said, uh, the Vince McMahon situation continues to develop a pace and it's not going anywhere, Charlie. Yeah, that's horrific. Sorry, did you say they executed those search warrants last summer? And it's being made public today that those uh, those uh, situation happened and occurred. Um, so I, I guess probably the only thing for us to do is is to end the podcast on a little bit of a low note and say we'll continue to, to follow this situation and see where it leads us. And we'll talk about the good things as well, the things that we go to wrestling for, the escapism, the ups, the downs, the stupidities, the R-truthness of it all. Um, and we'll continue to cover these other things as and when they happen. Um, but we'll wrap it up on that, I think, for Charlie underscore Beckett, for Jack underscore Merley. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. We'll see you again very soon for the next episode of Earning the Push. But until then, bye-bye.